Welcome to the Global Jams podcast, a new podcast on the This Is HCD network. The Global Jams are the world's biggest service design thinking and doing events. In the Global Jams podcast, we share the latest perspectives on running successful jams, sprints, and hacks. We show how anyone can join the productive fun and connect the global community of hosts and jammers. If you like this podcast and would like to learn more, make sure you subscribe at globaljams.org slash podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about how we're still prototyping how to do a podcast, what happened back at our first online-only Global Jam, and what we've learned about running Jams from Home in an interview with the hosts of the Dubai Jam. My name is Adam Lawrence, and with me is Marcus Holmes. Hi, Marcus. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I mean, we're sort of used to lockdown now, uh, getting into the rhythm of it, you know, um, lots of work, lots of cables around my house suddenly, computers and things everywhere <laughs> where, they sh- where they should not be getting in the way. Uh, but, you know, yeah. first world problems, yeah. Okay, so um, we're l- looking back now at a jam that was very, very different, yeah? And we're doing that in the form of this podcast, which we're still new. We're new to podcasting. Uh, you've been messing around with the technology. How's it been going? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I think we... we I never wanted to learn so much in so little time. Um, (laughs) So we did this interview, uh, which you will hear later on. And of course, um, doing an interview remotely with people all over the world is challenging. Mm. And everything that could go wrong went wrong technology-wise. So we we basically were on our second or third recording fallback. um, And it took some while to kind of get through the material and and basically save it. That's also the the reason why this is uh, not has not been going out um, as quickly as we wished for. But we have a recording. We have an interview, and you've been editing it together to try and make uh, make the most of the bits and pieces that we had. I know the sound quality is not always perfect because of recording issues with the remote recordings and so on as well. But I've listened to it. It's really really good. It's really really interesting. Shall we get to it pretty quickly? I, th- I think before we do, we should tell people who are new listeners what a jam actually is. Do you agree? I absolutely agree, uh, because we've been doing this for a while now, and sometimes it's um, yeah. easy to forget. More than 10 years. Yeah, it's easy to forget that there's people that don't know that stuff. So go ahead. Uh, okay. So if you've never been to a jam, what you can imagine is a room full of people Um it could be small, could be large. The smallest jams are just a handful of people, one table. The largest ones have been hundreds of people. Yeah. And they come together, usually on a weekend, whatever the weekend is locally for you, uh, and they get a surprise challenge. So they're working with strangers on a surprise challenge, and they go, whoa, what's, what's that about? And they start to figure out what could be problems behind this challenge. What does it make us think of? Then we encourage them to get out of the building, hit the streets, talk to people, challenge their own assumptions, come back and over 48 hours to generate some ideas but really important is to get beyond ideas into prototypes and actually build things build things that you can take out again and test with real people now while they're doing this they are connected to a global upload platform where they publish their work under various kinds of open licensing to be for the world if you like and they're also linked to other jams around the world because this is happening simultaneously in 100 plus cities in our biggest jams so it's a global weekend of innovation with lots of research, lots of prototyping, and lots of connecting people happening. Is that a good summary? I I like it, Adam. So 
at the same time, I would like to ask a question because you yep. know it sounds like this is all about the output, you know, the ah. the projects and the ideas. Yeah. Is it really? Well, a lot of people think that when they get into it, they think they're going to have a great, amazing project and going to be a startup and so on. But really, what we found is that. Like in a jam in music, you don't go to a music jam to record an album. You go there because you want to become a better musician or meet new collaborators. And that's what happens at these design jams is that you meet people that you gel with. So new friendships happen, new companies start up sometimes and you learn. You learn lots of new techniques. You learn new viewpoints onto things. Get a bit of an energy boost and have a fun time. That's really important. It's supposed to be fun. No one's getting paid to do this. No one makes any money out of it. It's a volunteer organization. So it's about how it changes you as a person or what you can try for yourself that weekend, mm. much more than about the actual project outputs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really good point because um, I think it creates a, a safe space to try things that you wouldn't be able to try out in a business setting or yeah. you know when you really have to deliver something. But it's the leverage it, it gives you is, is so much more because you connect to other people, you try something out, and then you maybe you take a connection and you do a project with these people later on. So it's not necessarily the project, but it's the the people and uh, and maybe also some of the emotional and, and behavioral aspects that you take away. We know this about 10 years we've been doing this now um, globally. So two or three large events every year. We're talking about thousands of individual locations or at least a thousand that have happened so far. Um, and then suddenly we had a very different situation. All those things I talk about, about coming together in a space, going out into the street to talk to people suddenly became really, really difficult. And we had to change the jam at the last minute, in the last few days before this thing was going to run. What happened was that many jams said, we'll postpone to August. The 8th of August is our new date for the jam. But some brave souls decided to give it a go as a virtual event. And you talked to some of those people. Yeah, I talked to some of these people. And, and just remind yourself, if, if you listen now to that interview, um, is that these guys basically had a week or even less than a week of time to prepare um, for this new situation. Because we basically, five days before the official start of the jam, we had to say now, even the last country now has some infections, there is going to be rules in place and we cannot um, risk uh, or, or put people at risk by allowing an in-person jam also from headquarters, you know, up yeah. to like two weeks ahead, there was still the inkling of a chance that, you know, some people, some countries weren't affected and people were telling us, no, I think we're good to go. But that changed so rapidly that on Sunday, I think we announced, okay, please, if you want to jam, you can only jam if you jam from home, from a safe place. Mm. Um, and they took up that challenge and changed all the planning of their 48-hour jam and turned it into something new. I think it's important to remember this was this was pioneering at the time. Now we've had, in most of the world, several months of lockdown. We've all got really good at Zoom and Miro and stuff like this, but a lot of it, us face this for the first time because of COVID um, or got into it for the first time. So these guys were also jammed with a bunch of people who didn't have experience maybe of working online before, and maybe even the host didn't have that yet. So it was very much at the start of this sort of change that we've seen. We've discovered some really cool stuff, yeah? So I think we should listen to the guys as soon as we can. Yeah. So let's turn back the clock to the beginning of April when I had the chance to talk to the Dubai Champ team. 
All right, uh, Mo Muhammad Ali. I'm a cautious optimist, and the longest I've slept looking at the same ceiling is about two and a half years. I'm from Canada, but currently I make Dubai my home. This is Kiran Sajwadi. I am uh, born and bred in Dubai, so Dubai is definitely my home. Um, I am a curious, playful optimist. Uh, my name is Adnan Arif, and uh, well, my background is Pakistani, but I grew up here as well, so I've been here forever. And uh, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about myself. Mo, Kieran, and Adnan are part of the host team for the Dubai Cham. But of course, there are more people involved. Yeah, so we're we're three amongst a, a larger team uh, for Dubai. So there's a there's a there's a lot of people who are really supportive of the jam and participate in our community, and um, we really appreciate that we had the chance to to show up and speak on their behalf here. That really sounds like a great jam community for Dubai. Now, the first thing I wanted to know was how did they come to the decision to do an online jam from home. I have to rewind a few months ago when uh, late last year, early this year, Mo and I were chatting about the jam. And I said, Mo, jam's coming up. Are you in? He said, yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, on one condition, it has to be fun. And he went, big fat letter, big fun. And I said, that's the only way to do it. So we had this really big plan in our heads. And of course, things went a little bit differently. Um, you know, our venue limitations, uh, government regulations, health considerations. And uh, slowly but surely, most crazy idea of a digital jam was making more sense to me. And I remember you and I were having these conversations earlier as well. And I'm like, you know, I know it's an experiment. It's a crazy experiment, like all experiments are, but why not? You know, why not try it out? Um, it, it could be completely disastrous. It could be completely crazy, but it could also be completely fun. However, in the situation at the time, an online jam still wasn't the obvious solution to everybody. I didn't agree with it because, because uh, you know, in that it, at the time when he suggested it, it wasn't uh, a quarantine wasn't a real possibility in my head. Things hadn't escalated to this point yet. The world was not different yet, and. So I looked at him like as if he was a crazy person because the idea of reducing a 48-hour event down to 24 hours and making it online only just felt like as if you were handicapping it, tying one hand behind your back and limping on one feet, foot, right? Um, and, uh, and then when the day got closer and closer, there were other people in the organizing committee who, who were suggesting maybe we should have a backup venue. Um, maybe we should have a backup venue that's outside because for some reason that would be better. Um, and then um, for me, that was problematic because I was concerned about prototyping and having an entire setup ready outside for, for two days. Um, and, uh, and then uh, our venue decided to limit the amount of people we could have uh, and eventually just became a no-brainer. But it was such a gradual slide into that mindset. But eventually, everybody was on board. Adnan, Kieran, Mo and the team pushed forward. 
and they worked their way through this enormous task in a very short amount of time to package, repackage, and restructure a jam which was originally planned for 48 hours in a face-to-face -face world into a fitting online version. Now, this is what they came up with. Uh, you know, we start in the morning at nine and uh, we welcome people in. One of our organizers had their their uh, the guitar out and strumming along in the morning, which was a nice start rather than a blank screen and people's faces staring at you. It's like guitar right in the front center. So it set the stage for something. Um, we realized that, uh, so I have to say that Mo is probably the most energetic of us in terms of uh, facilitating. Uh, my energy is fairly muted, but online, I think I had to kick it into hyper gear. I was like energizer buddy mode because the jammers were picking up on our energy. So if we were mellow, they were mellow. So I, I took a, a shot of coffee and I was like, whoa, full steam ahead, you know, bouncing along, uh, playing along with noisemakers, uh, you know, keep kicking up the energy like we would at a regular jam. And uh, you know, we told them what the jam was because they were all new. Uh, almost all of them were new. We told them about the secret team and we kept that same energy. Like, you know, finding out, you're the first ones to find out. So keep the secret, shh, and kept that same environment. Uh, we allowed them to then reflect on what the team was and their interpretations of it. Uh, then we helped them cluster. I think for this, we took a more active role in facilitating because it was digital format and our jammers were new. So we had to be more engaged than we may have been in person. We did, of course, there were plenty of points in the day when we broke up, like, okay, go grab a cup of tea, go grab a cup of coffee, go grab your snacks, you know, go get up and stretch. Uh, I think at one point Mo was making them do jumping jacks. <laughs> it was uh, it was good and uh, you know, break for lunch come back with snacks and when we came back for snack after lunch people were the one of our participants who was a, a pianist pulled that up and somebody who was a, an amateur drummer started drumming on their table you know, it was these playful moments and uh, I was actually worried people were going to come back after lunch I was like hmm letting people go at lunch hmm. <laughs> you gotta eat right? but thankfully of course people came back and they started to think about ideas and to narrow these ideas down to something, something they would build. And that was one of the big challenges, you know. How might people do the prototyping in this new setting? Technology wasn't a reason for them to hold back the prototyping. It was just a way for them to do it differently. So they were still doing. They had to talk as well because that was essential. It was doing and talking, but doing differently. They would find things from along the places, you know, somebody was digging a post-it, somebody was digging out cereal boxes. Uh, the pianist, I believe, and Mo, correct me if I'm wrong, she decided to do a jingle solution with her piano, didn't she? And yes, she did. And also everybody else found a way to express themselves during prototyping and move on to the final presentations. <laughs> we were definitely beat by the end of it, but I think everyone left on a high. And it was making time for those breaks and making time for those exercises, those icebreakers that helped keep the energy up. So the Dubai team managed to bring down the jam from a 48-hour face-to-face format to an online jam, which was done in only eight. So, of course, we asked Kieran to share some of the insights that drove their thinking when making all those necessary changes. 
We know that people's attention spans are limited. People get more tired in front of a screen. The cognitive dissonance is a little disorienting. So you had to make it shorter. It had to be a day. Uh, exercises that would otherwise maybe take, we'd give them an hour, we'd make it a little more compressed because you want to take advantage of that. It's also about bringing in some of the, uh, the in-person experiences online. So uh, Bo had the brilliant idea for the in-person jam was to have live music jamming while people are jamming with music. So we said, why do we have to stop that? Why can't we do that anywhere? So for one of our members, he pulled out his guitar and started strumming. And it just so happened that there was another participant who happened to have a, a piano in her living room and just started strumming, playing along with it too. So it was about bringing those elements into the digital jam. You know, you don't have to compromise it, you just do it differently. So music was there, we had icebreakers that went a little wild, we had post-its stuck on our heads, uh, we had uh, you know, plenty of points for laughter, we had physical warm-up exercises. And I think that the, we followed the general structure of the jam, but we just broke them up enough to give people time to breathe, to relax, and you know, staying essence to its core. Design, but fun. Solving problems, but fun. And uh, we wanted to make this an experience that people will spend their day with us, be happy with it, and walk away like, yeah, that was a good way to spend it. I'm stuck at home, but you know, that was worth it. This jam was the first one. And due to the circumstances, it had to be a very improvised one as well. So managing the expectations of the participants was vital. Because the digital jam was, or jam from home, was a first one. It was an experiment. We made that clear off the bat. So people were also a little more, their uh, baseline was also more accepting. They were like, they were also participating in an experiment. So if things weren't quite on schedule or, you know, things took a little bit longer or things didn't quite work, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Let's just have some fun with it. So we fed off their energy as well. It was like a virtual cycle. Okay, experiment, have fun. Do have fun. Play, have fun. Digging deeper into the jam itself, we turn to the topic of prototyping. Now, prototyping seemed to be the biggest challenge at the start. But it wasn't that much different as it turns out. Here's Adnan explaining their approach. What we wanted to avoid was a scenario where people spent way too much time uh, talking things through, brainstorming, or trying to synthesize or trying to agree, rather than focus on the principle that the, thi the thinking comes from the making. And uh, so every that we, uh, throughout the whole presentation, throughout the facilitation, uh, it wasn't so much about the, um, the uh, fidelity of the prototype as much as pushing them to get started earlier for, for them to understand what kind of mindset we want them to be working in. In some respects, what Adnan describes here is not that much different than you would experience in a face-to-face -face jam. But of course the online format had an effect on the prototyping. Because there was very limited time, we, encur it was, we encouraged um, them to, if they didn't have a great prototype, then they should focus on being creative with how they presented it. Uh, we gave examples of uh, TV infomercials, for example. It was all about what they could improvise. Improvisation was a huge factor given that they only had like an hour to make something. 
Wow, wow. Cutting out of the interview now, we're back in the studio. Um, this is really interesting. Uh, that emphasis on keeping the emphasis on prototyping, which is so important to jams, thinking with your hands, the doing, the, the doing is the thinking, <laughs> um, the making is the thinking, uh, is, is so crucial to the way we believe that jamming works. Moving away from the verbal channel to build something together because you understand each other better by building a thing than by explaining what you would build. And it's great to see they found ways to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like um, the example that you have. And um, it's the it's the kind of a, a variant of the service advertisement. Mm. It's where where you built an advertisement of a future non-existing service that you want you want to to explore. And the fun thing is, yes, the future advertisement will exist in the future because someone has to, you know, sell yeah. it. So they will create an advertisement. And so so it is something very real and you package it with some potential new ideas and concepts and see how people react to it by putting up a poster in a um, kind of bus stop or um, having a little Facebook ad that people click or not, you know, building a little website that looks like you can actually now already order that stuff. So this won't tell me if my idea will work technically. I need something else for that. But it can tell me a little bit about my sort of tone of voice, the sort of look and feel type of, of, of the basic brand, if you like. And it really can tell me about if people value this or not. You know, I can put that in front of people and I can actually test it. You know, would you pay Would you pay five bucks for this? Would you rather pay five bucks for this or five bucks for that? Would I give you this or give you this? You can actually make comparative tests and see if someone values a thing or ask them to simply reflect, okay, this is my poster. What do you think this is? And you can learn a lot from their reactions to that. You can do all that online. I think these are the first glimpses that we see what is possible in terms of prototyping online in, in a group, in a team. And there will be much more, and that I really hope that. And and if you look at at Zoom, not just as a collaboration tool, but also as a stage, mm -hmm. um, then you know this becomes something so much more. Then it's not just um, about creating an advertisement, but then it's actually about creating and simulating interactions and conversations mm -hmm. um, on that channel. And it's it might be much more similar to the real experience than um, than you know. You know these visual and and these drafts that we can look mm. at. You know, so, so you could play the app, I could play the user, or we could play two human beings who are in a, I don't know, an advisory session or something like that. Lots of things that we can do using this channel. We could make TV ads, I guess, as well. Just act them out. Yeah, nice. Should we get back to the guys? Yeah. So there were more topics we talked about, um, like facilitation and intimacy in the online space. Let's listen back into the interview. It's very different in the sense that um, while it's a lot more intimate because you're facing the person, you're forced to see them. Um, and in many ways, I felt more seen um, digitally versus uh, it when, when you're in person because, you know, you're not used to it. Yeah, um, in terms of technology, we used Zoom, specifically the ability to put people into breakout rooms. And I think the, the sort of intimacy that uh, Adnan mentioned was that you would be able to see, you know, two to three faces at most. And I believe that was important because you sort of created a, you created a space where you had someone you could lean on, um, that you could speak with, um, and that you could be heard because there aren't that many faces there. I think that's what contributed really, making it really small. 
Um, I, I've participated in, in online events where that element gets uh, lost because of the million boxes in front of you. Uh, and and I th I'm really not for, and, and they know this about me, I'm very much against the, the one-to-many kind of uh, settings. I, I'm just not a fan at all. So even the way that we set up our, our agenda, one of the directives is to anyone that's going to speak is you're going to be speaking for 10 minutes at most, max. And if you want to do another 10 minutes, you can do that. Go to the group that looks like they need the most help and spend some face-to-face -face time with them. Of course, the participants could feel the difference and the effect of this way of facilitating. They had a lot more attention from facilitators because it isn't, uh, you know, it's very different online. You give them complete attention. And uh, we also had a Grandmaster Mo who essentially would, you know, pick and choose who was in what room and rotate us around like, you know, Russian roulette. So, um, you know, in an offline version, you don't do that. You can't do that because it's not exactly, it would, it would be too bossy. So there is first evidence that there are things in the online jam that work very well or even better than in a face-to-face -face version. But of course, also the other way around. Now, the question was, how was the feedback from the participants? I think everyone was pleasantly surprised. Um, they walked away pleasantly surprised. And I believe, and I think, the, the and, and again, it comes up again, but people were really impressed that you could do something like this online. So the participants, for example, the participant that played the piano um, has gone on to host um, home uh, piano, um, both lessons and also uh, home concerts uh, in, in conjunction with one of the community sponsors as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think the, the, the bud is strong in terms of what is possible. And I believe the idea that this is an experiment should really be with everything else. Um, yeah. I mean, you're bringing in something that is so fundamentally analog to a digital world that people don't expect it. It's like a nice magic trick. <laughs> I like that. Very nice. We went up Cadabra nice. at the end. <laughs> I think people were, were genuinely happy with the experience. They spent a day there, but they weren't... Uh, I think they all enjoyed the experience and everyone who was there connected with each other genuinely like you might at a at an in-person jam and everyone i think commented this was a fun day <laughs> didn't expect it but it was a fun day this jam will always be connected to the corona crisis but also in our conversation we briefly stepped away from talking about the specifics jam and talked also a bit about what it means to be a jammer or jam host during these troubled times or if and how being a jammer or jam host might change our perspective onto the crisis. Do you know, do you know the, the minute of the theme, right? Where people just sort of sit in silence and confused. I feel like the past few weeks for like the whole world was that theme being revealed, right? Um, so everyone's just like, oh, what's going on? I don't understand. But the next five minutes, just after that, when there's like an explosion in energy, thoughts, doubts, I think that's basically what we're in right now. Um, so I feel like sort of the, the jam 
is a microcosm of the world we kind of live in and are currently kind of inhabiting as well. Um, and I think we need more of these moments where people can sort of come together and experience what that could be for them and how they could go on and create the kind of connections and, and, and weave the kind of relationships that could help them um, just be better going forward. What would be your answer? How has being a chammer or a cham host changed your perspective onto the current crisis? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Now, to wrap this session up, there was one last question. What would be the top tips of the Dubai team for other cham hosts who want to run a cham from home cham? Tip number one. I'll just say, um, if you're going to release tickets, don't use Eventbrite. I had to cancel 100 tickets manually. I'm still really sour about that. Tip number two. I think my tip might be keep it simple. You know, it's tempting to go all out and do all those things and do all those activities, bring in all those tools and frameworks. No, just keep it simple because most of the people who show up are generally new. They don't need the overcomplicated. They want to remember why design is fun. And they've come here to have a fun day. They've not come here to have a complicated, stressful day. So keep it simple with the tools, keep it simple with the approach, keep it simple with the activities. And don't forget to laugh at yourself because when you make a mistake, and you will, because Murphy's Law is in full effect right now, right? Um, don't forget to laugh at yourself. And the jammers will see that it's okay to make a mistake. And you learn by making mistakes and you grow by making mistakes. Tip number three. I think, I think you should understand how ambiguous the online space is. So it's very important to be very clear about what outcomes are. Make sure that there's always clarity. Just because you say it doesn't mean that it's been heard. Make sure it's written. Make sure it's repeated. Um, Focus on group dynamics. Um, you are not only doing a jam, but you're also teaching people on how to work with each other. Uh, so think about how can you make sure that everyone's voices are heard. Uh, think about how you, you can teach people to disagree with each other and work with each other. Uh, and, uh, you know, finally, make sure you understand that things are not going to go your way. So your slides don't have to be perfect. You're going to drop sections, you're going to delete stuff, you're going to make new slides on the fly, and uh, it's completely normal. So thank you, thank you, thank you to the Dubai Cham host team, represented here by Kieran, Adnan, and Mo. You've done an amazing job um, running this, this Cham, the online Cham, and also Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and learnings with the rest of the community. So let's close the session with another quote by Kieran, giving back to the whole team. It's, you can't do it alone. So might as well do it with people you can have a good laugh with. And I'm glad I was able to do this with these amazing people uh, who are as, as committed and as playful and as fun as it could be. Thank you to the community. Thank you to the team. I love jammers. I mean, 
<laughs> it's so cool. People just get up and do this stuff and they don't get any money for it. And they, they do it because they love it. You know, remembering that design is fun. Why design is fun. What a great summary for what the jam is. Yeah, I, I love that. And uh, I mean, I spent quite a, quite a time with the team and it's who they are. It's what they are. They really embody the spirit of the jam and the, and the DNA of the jam. And what I love about it too is, I mean, we, we know we've met jammers all over the world and jams are very, very different. You know, the hosts have very different backgrounds, very different perspectives on what we're actually doing. And that's great because that's how we learn from each other. Um, but you do sort of find this generosity of spirit and you find these people who just have a, well, let's try something attitude. Uh, it's, it's great to see that. So uh, really inspiring. Thank you for the interview, Marcus. I have to pass this on, of course, to the Dubai Jam team. And they're, they're amazing folks, as I said. So... This makes me really excited about the future of the Cham, really, because it showed that something works in a way that we never expected it to work. And yeah. you know, we were at times even quite dogmatic about the Cham having to be an in-person activity. Now, we've been very, very dogmatic in the past about Cham's being physical things, you know, that we didn't. People wanted to join online. We said, no, not really. Try and organize a jam yourself. Try and get three or four people together. Um, it's better than doing it online. And maybe it is, or maybe it's just different. Maybe it's okay to have more of a mix. So August is coming around. The The reserve date, if you like, the second date, the Global Service Jam 2020 Part 2, we've set for the weekend of the 8th of August, the 8th of the 8th. Very easy to remember. But what are we going to see on that weekend? Do we know? I'm not sure if we if we know already, and this is maybe one of the reasons why I'm I'm so excited about this because um, I've attended some Zoom meetings now. I've attended some champs. I run and facilitated some champs over the last couple of weeks, and um, I found that there is so much potential still to be explored. And originally, we started the champ to be kind of a um, uh, an experimentation space for people to push the boundaries of prototyping, what you can achieve in, in 48 hours using prototyping. Because, you know, at the time when we started, you know, service prototyping was kind of the final frontier of our profession. Um, and now I think we have the opportunity to push that boundary again and see what is possible remotely. And, of course, the face-to-face -face stuff will come back and, and there will be a mix. Um, but there is a lot of fun um, in exploring this this new space and see what we can do and what is allowed and and maybe there is hybrid formats and and small teams and being distributed so whatever works uh, and what we what we can make work um, this is a big lab this is this is a play space let's uh, let's use that space so if you are interested and they're listening it's all open um, we're going to develop this with the community we're going to talk about what possibilities are and which ones you want to try out. I think we've got a very, very open view of what could happen. Mixed formats, online formats, offline formats, if it's safe, of course, locally. Um, and it's going to be an amazing time in August. Yeah, but for today, this is the end of our session. So, goodbye from our side and... Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Global Jam podcast. For more on jamming, visit globaljams.org. You'll find this podcast at globaljams.org slash podcast. And there's more great co-creation inspiration at thisishcd.com.
design, really. Not fur. It's an unmitigated fabrication. It's divine thinking. Divis design. Divine thinking. Divis design. Divine thinking. Divis design. Divine thinking. Design thinking. Perfect divine. Design thinking. I say it's perfect divine, and I say fire. <laughs> Let's try that again.